Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, saints and ain'ts, welcome to another Unplugged Service JBLM podcast. Our mission is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ by loving God, loving people, fostering connection, and cultivating community. My name is Chaplain Kevin L. Betton Jr. Thank you for listening wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember to rate our podcast, review it, and please give us five stars. If you give us four stars, I am inclined to believe that you are a hater and the altar is open for you. And with no further delay, today's message comes from yours truly, Chaplain Kevin Betton Jr. Nobody really needs to see it. As long as it's just running.
He is good. Right? Regardless of whether your week was challenging or whether it was great. Maybe somewhere in between, in between, right? Challengingly great. Whatever it was, we declare that God is good. And he's not just good, he's great. And so just like Hannah prayed in the book of 1 Samuel, we declare that there is none holy like the Lord. For there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. And so we together come in this place and declare that God is good, that God is great, and there is none beside him. So would you pray with me as we continue in our service today? Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your goodness that brought us to this place this week. Father, we pray that all the worries and the cares of life, God, we pray that you would pass away in the light of your glory today. Father, we pray that you would experience you in a fresh new way, that your spirit would be in this place and change us for the glory of your name. All this we ask for you in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. He said, he said, how many people know we serve a, not just a good God, but how many people know we serve a great God? If you believe that, if you just wave your hands, if you believe it, would you just shout something, say hallelujah, say yes, that's yes, we serve a great God, and we worthy of the praise. So this song simply says, how great is our God? I just need y'all to clap your hands and get a real laugh. Come on. Hey, come on, lift your voice, everybody.
diversity of the people that are in here. All different colors, ethnicities, backgrounds, cultures. Just look around the place. What we look like is what heaven will look like. Amen. There will be a day, Revelation 7 and 9 says that all will be gathered around the throne. And it literally says every ethnicity, every tribe, people that speak every language will be gathered under the throne of God and will be worshiping him. And the cool thing is we ain't got to wait until that day. We can do it right here and right now. Psalm simply says, great are you, Lord, and we give him praise. Because there's nobody like you, God, that can gather us all together. And even though we're not uniform, you unify us. You are great. And today we lift up our hearts, we lift our hands, and most importantly, God, we lift our voices. And we give you praise, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. Every 
today. Can we just open up our mouth and just sing unto the Lord? Everybody say, Great are you, Lord. One, two, three, great. Sisters holding up a red lanyard. 
here. If that's you and you would prefer like an elbow or a fist bump as opposed to people coming and hugging you and you just don't want to fit, please just see one of our unplugged volunteers and they're going to go ahead and switch out the lanyard that you have on your name tag for a red one. And then when we go fellowship, that will let everybody know, hey, I'm friendly, I still want to connect, but just fist bump me just so that we can make sure that we're protecting one another and we're keeping everybody safe. Somebody say amen. 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 So y'all know how we do. If this is your first time here, wave your hand at me real quick. You've never been here before. My man, it's good to see you. I see you in the back. Hey, man, it's good. Hey, you sitting next to somebody special. That person you sitting right next to, that's my religious affairs specialist. Can y'all help me celebrate her? She made the promotion list. So we got to
information sheets. We're going to do something fun today, so I need everybody to pull out your cell phones real quick, all right? Not to check the game. Buffalo ain't playing this week anyway, so don't worry about it, all right? So I need everybody to pull out your cell phones. And you see on the screen, instead of doing the regular uh, review, we're going to do a trivia game, and I'm going to pick for somebody's gas. So you want to win, because I'm going to pick for somebody's gas if you want to win. So if you've been paying attention, if this is your first time here and you haven't gotten an outline of First John, the book we've been going through, you can either scan your QR code and that will link you to, there's a thing on there that says First John Outline. A lot of the answers are in that, so I hope you've been paying attention. If you need a paper copy because you're going to use your phone to play the game, please raise your hands and our unplugged volunteers will bring one to you. So I'm going to give you just two minutes. Everybody else, if you could go to CCG, Charlie Charlie Golf Buzz. And that will bring up this website, uh, not website, but it'll bring up the game. And then all you have to do is enter in the code. When it asks for the code, is 2L as in Lima, S as in Sam, P as in Papa. Again, ccg.buzz. And then you want to enter in the code 2LSP. I'm not going to tell you your name because I'm trusting that you know that. That will be the last thing that you have to do to enter into the game. Has everybody got it so far? Got it. Got it? All good. All right, we'll give y'all another 60 seconds. The tolerance are uber competitive, so somebody besides them, please win. All right. <laughs> all right. So all of these questions are something that myself or Chaplain McPherson has covered in our outline and going through the book of First John. All right, we got another 30 seconds to let you log in. The game is going to self, it's self-paced, or not self-paced, but it's going to move along by itself. So it's going to ask you the question. It will give you three seconds to look at the question. Then the answers will pop up. Now, the faster you answer the question, the more points you get. So it's good to be accurate and to be swift. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, so be fast, but be accurate as well. Does anybody need another 10 seconds? ccg.buzz alright ccg.buzz and the code again is 2LSP alright if you decline to play that's okay laugh at the people who get the wrong answers now your answers are not going to pop up on the screen don't worry only your scores will alright so we'll be able to see who's got the highest score but don't worry we're not here to embarrass anyone or anything like that uh, we just want to do it in an unplugged way all right, everybody ready? All right, Dante, are we ready, brother? All right, here we go. And ready, and go. Right. Is it popping up, everyone? No. One second. Everybody good now? Yeah. All right, here we go. Fellowship is the what? Chaplain McPherson preached about this. Is the what that ignites the church? Let's see. Let's see who's got it. What's the answer? The fuel. That's right. He said fellowship is the fuel that ignites the church. All right, let's see. Oh, Joe up in there. She got that one quick. All right, I see you, Noe. All right, the review of chapter one was given by one of our sisters here at the church. What was her name? 
This is why we connect. This is why we come and we fellowship with one another. What was her name? All right. What was the answer, y'all? Deanna. That's right. Deanna came and did our fellowship the first week. Very good. Very good. All right, Eric. I zoomed into the lead. I see you, bro. I see you. All right, John, there's two major threats to fellowship, worldliness and the spirit of what or who. Let's see who can get it. We're going to bless somebody who did gas after church today. Okay. <laughs> bless the Lord. The Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist. Chaplain McPherson preached all over that one last week. All right, Eric's still in the lead. All right, who's that? Alexi, I see you. All right, next one. John's purpose in writing was to address false teachers and what in the church? They got some good high scores up there. What's the answer? Anybody remember? Worldliness. Worldliness. People going around and just doing what they wanted to do. All right. All right, Eric. I see you, bro. The belief that God came to earth in human form is called what? Even if you haven't been here, many of us will know that answer. What is that called? We can't let you play, John. You've got all the answers. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody ready to shout it out? The incarnation. The incarnation. That is what the Gnostics were saying that did not happen, that God did not come in the flesh. All right, sir, I see you. He's exempt, don't worry, he can't. I was about to say, hold up now. He might pay for my gas. <laughs> the key word, we've been talking about this for the last four weeks now, the key word in here. <laughs> Doug got that one. Wait, oh, you climbing, Doug, I see you, I see you. We should know that one is fellowship. A lot of people said love, that's all right, all right. Oh, Joe, all right, all right. John was the son of, who's his daddy's name? Who's your daddy? Anybody remember, what was John's father's name? Slow down, slow down, Eric, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. His name was Zebedee. John was the son of Zebedee. Yeah, we got a lot of people got that one. Amen, y'all got it. This is at the top of your papers, at the top of your outline, the picture of Christ. Every book of the Bible has a picture of Christ, and this one in the book of 1 John is what? Proper answer should be the word of life. The word of life. Yeah, good. Look at the scores on that one. They did good. Outstanding. Outstanding. All right, Eric. All right. You know, Eric and Joe battling now. All right. Two minutes left. Two minutes. Chapter 1 explained that we have fellowship with the person and the what of Christ. The person and the what of Christ. Hey, Eric, you got Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> the person and the character of Christ. The person and the character of Christ. We have fellowship with the person and character of Christ through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. <laughs> In what city was the church that John wrote to? We go over this every week. It's our five W's. What city? 
Chapter 3, verse 1 begins with this. He says, see, oh, let me give you just a second, you good? Chapter 3, verse 1 says, see what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children. Watch what he says, and we are. Did I put this in there? Okay, we'll just follow along on there. My apologies. He says, see what great love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children, and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. Somebody say now. now. And what we will be has not been revealed. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed so that he might take away sins, and there is no sin in him. Everyone who remains in him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen him or known him. He says, children, let no one deceive you. The one who does right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who commits sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose. This is why Jesus came to destroy the devil's works. Everyone who has been born of God does not sin. Everyone who sees because his seed remains in him. He is not able to sin because he has been born of God. This is how God's children and the devil's children become obvious. He says, if you want to know the difference in how we can know who's between God's children and who's the devil's children, he says, this is how we know whether whoever does, uh, whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother or sister. Somebody say amen. 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 Come on. All right. Today we're going to come to you about from the subject family matters. Somebody say family matters. Family matters. We're talking about in this particular book being related to God. So in First John, there is this emphasis that we see not just in First John, but all throughout the theme of the Bible that God desires to share and enjoy intimate fellowship and eternal fellowship with you and I. Let me say that again. God wants to spend and enjoy eternity with every single one of us. He wants to have eternal fellowship with us. And then, Chaplain Garcia, he wants us to have that same eternal fellowship with one another. And in this fellowship, God is our father and we are the members of his family. So Chaplain McPherson, in John chapters 1 and 2, we've explained the basis of this fellowship. If there's going to be fellowship in the body and fellowship with God, this is the basis of what that fellowship looks like. Now as we transition into chapters 3 through 5, we're moving from the basis of the fellowship to the behavior of the fellowship. Now that we know what the family looks like, now we're going to talk about how the family ought to behave. How many people know I got rules in our house, and when you go out and you represent the Benton family, there is a certain standard that you have to uphold. Anybody family work like that other than mine? Amen. All right, somebody say amen. 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 So John chapter 1 discusses the conditions of that fellowship. John says that God is light, and in him there is no darkness. There is no moral darkness. There is no sin. And so because there is no darkness in him, if we're going to fellowship with God, there cannot be darkness in us either. So he says we've got to walk in the light 
Because God is in the light. And so he says, he says, look, he says, in order to walk in that light, if you've got sin, all you got to do is confess your sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So that was the conditions of the fellowship. We got to walk in the light. Somebody say, walk in the light. So he moves now to chapter 2. The chapter McPherson did an incredible job. You got to check the podcast out. He did an incredible job talking about not the conditions, but the cautions mm-hmm. of fellowship. He says there's worldliness that's in the church. There is the love of the world, the love of, you said, things that are out there that distract us from being in fellowship with God. He says not only is there the love of the world, but Chaplain McPherson told us that there is the spirit of the Antichrist that is a caution to the fellowship that Unplugged has. If we want to make sure that we protect the fellowship, we've got to be on caution for anything that doesn't look like what God said. Somebody say amen. Amen. So he says, he says in chapter uh, 2, verse 26 and 27, to the church he loves so much, he says, I write these things to you because of those who are trying to deceive you. Unplugged, there, there will be people that will try to deceive us and break up the fellowship that we share with the church. But he says, you have received the anointing and it abides in you. And you have no need that anyone teaches you. And so again, he stresses then, he says in verse 27, abide in him. Remain in him. Dwell in him. Spend time in intimate fellowship with him so that you notice when something don't look like him. I love, I love, I love a pound cake. And then, you know, you, when you know a food real good, when somebody ain't got them ingredients right, you can taste that thing right away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then please, you know, don't put me in that uncomfortable position where you invite me over to your house and then Monica, they sit there and stare at you while you eat that food and just wait to see how you like. The, the, the pressure's not on me, it's on you. Because if there's something in this food that don't taste right, we can all sense it. And when there's something in the fellowship that is cautioning and trying to disrupt what God is doing, he says, I need you to have spiritual allergies to false teaching. Mm. You gotta have, you gotta be able to notice it right away when there's an ingredient in here that the master cook did not put inside. Mm. So I wanna do a little, a little quick game. I got some symbols that I want you to see, and I want you to tell me what you think of as soon as you see this symbol. Alright? Symbol number one. Uh let me on the screen. What do you see here? Uh this particular symbol on the screen. Don't 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 mess with me today. <laughs> see, I was on a roll, and see that's the caution. Here we go, here we go, here we go. What's that? Starbucks and all coffee drinkers, y'all know you can't take Dunkin' Donuts coffee and then try to pass it off at Starbucks. Next one, let's go to the next one. What's that? All the fellas got nervous real quick. We're like, oh God, she's gonna spend money. All right, but we notice it right away because of the symbol. All right, next one, Dante. Next one, chat. I'm so glad Celeste ain't here today. She just loves to go to Walmart. Don't need nothing, but she just want to spend time in Walmart. She might be watching. Let's go to the next one. I ain't trying to get in trouble. Apple. Apple. Uh, and then I, I think we got one more. I think we got one more. Mercedes. So the, the, the research suggests that we are exposed to over 5,000 brands every single day. And we see these symbols all over, and we begin to have expectations about the quality or substance of that particular product. Mercedes represents excellence. So you can't be chugging along like you in the Flintstones car when I see a Mercedes. There's something about that that just says excellence. 
excellence written all over it. And one of the things that I love about this particular generation is that we value authenticity. We value stuff that's real. That's why reality TV has blown up because people want to see something that is authentic. We don't want nothing made up. We have expectations based on the quality of that product. And so John here, he says in John verse 229, he says, abide in him. He says, because when Jesus shows up, you want to be sure that you don't have to shrink from him in shame at his coming. And so he goes on to say that the reason for that is, he says, if you know that he is righteous, you can be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. I got one more symbol, and I want to see what you think of when you see this symbol. So many people, we see the symbol, but the problem is we don't see the substance. Mm. I see Starbucks, and when I think of Starbucks, I don't think of the symbol. I think of the substance of the coffee that they have drunk. Don't bring me nothing that has the right symbol but doesn't have the substance. I see Mercedes Benz, and it might look like a Mercedes until a real Mercedes shows up. And then all of a sudden, you notice right away, no, 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 that one was just the symbol. This ride right here is the substance. The strength of us as Christians is not sanctified. It's not in the symbol. The world wants to see, do you have the substance of Christ? Are you wearing and bearing the cross of Jesus Christ or are you dying on it? Because if I'm just wearing it, then it's just a symbol, but there is no substance behind it. So point number one, if you're writing these down, number one is the symbol is useless without the substance. The symbol is useless without the substance. We cannot be the children of God. He said, you'll notice who's born of him. We can't be the children of God wearing and bearing his name and image, but not having his spirit. I'm raising my son up so he doesn't just have my name, but I want my spirit to be in Judah. So that when people see him acting up in the street, you say, wait, 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 wait. I know you didn't get that from your daddy. So there's got to be more than just the name. There is the symbol. And this is what God did in Genesis 1, 27 and 28. The Bible says, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, and he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Watch this. He says, I need you to fill the earth, not with the symbol, but with the substance. Multiply, not duplicate. He says, multiply and fill the earth, subdue it. You have control over the earth, Adam. Fill it with people that look just like me, that act just like me. He says, I don't want just the symbol here. I want the substance. Symbols impress people, but substance impacts them. Symbols chase achievements, but substance chases attributes. Symbols understand, and they want the gifts of the Spirit, but substance says, I don't want the gifts of the Spirit if I don't have the fruit of the Spirit. Why would I want to go and speak in an unknown tongue to people I don't even like? Why would I want to prophesy and lay hands on people that I haven't even forgiven yet? Says, I want the fruit of the Spirit, not just the symbol that makes me look good where everybody can see. Somebody say amen. Yeah. The world... And the people in it that are not transformed by.
by the symbol, they are transformed and brought into fellowship when they encounter the substance. And symbols will always shrink in the face of substance. Symbols look authentic until the real deal shows up. So how do we get the substance, Alexia? Well, he tells us over and over, he says, remain in him. Remain in him. He says, you've got to abide. You've got to fellowship. You've got to spend intimate time in his presence so that you don't just get the name of a Christian, but you get the substance of what it really means to be a child of God. All week long, I was fasting, and I began to teach my body how to say no so that I train myself up to have not just the symbol and the position. I want the substance so when my soldiers and the people of God see me, they see somebody that they know is connected to God. I want the substance, not just the symbol. Point number two, point number two, God isn't looking for perfection. He's looking for completion. I, want, I don't want anybody to stress out, feeling like you can't ever mess up. He says, he says, I'm not interested in absolute perfection from you. I got that from Jesus. Jesus is absolute perfection. What I need us to do, the Bible says, is grow into him so that we become a complete and competent person that is a follower of Christ. He says, he says, watch this now. He says, but whoever keeps my word, this is where chapter, uh, uh, McPherson's uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 5, whoever keeps his word truly in him is the love of God made complete. So my prayer this week was, God, complete the work that you're doing. I don't want to just get happy because I see a little change, Eric. He says, but I want to go on to greater and greater levels so that every time someone encounters me, they can sense my growth still growing. Just because I got a microphone, because I got a position, because I got a cross on my chest, doesn't mean that I'm arrived. I am constantly trying to remain in him so that people encounter the substance, not just the simple. And as members of God's family, God understands that we're going to make mistakes sometimes. He understands because he is our father and we are born of his spiritual DNA that it is impossible for us to Practice sin. Somebody say practice sin. Practice. He said, if you, if I am your father and I have birthed you out in the spirit, there is absolutely no way that you can practice habitually sinning because that's not my DNA. I mean, remember watching uh, Maury Poppins and they go through the DNA results and say, you are or you are not the father. They're looking at something internally in that person that matches the DNA of the dad. And so when we have God's DNA, we might mess up sometimes, we're going to fall sometimes, but we won't stay down and habitually just go practicing sin because we have his DNA. Somebody say amen. amen. So he says, God wants us to have confidence at his coming and not shrinking in shame. He says, and, and, and so he goes in, in uh, chapter 3, verse 1, and he begins to say, see what kind of love that the Father has given to us that we should be called God's children. Have you ever thought about that? That it's not just Jesus, but all of us now have the same spiritual DNA as Jesus Christ. And we are being shaped and formed into his image. And he says, watch this. Thing. He says that we should be called the children of God. And I love it. He threw a little shade on it too. And he said, and we are. He says, and so are we. And the reason that the world doesn't know us is that it did not know him. 
The reason that sometimes I know you're trying to go to the club, we want to drink, we want to hang out with certain people, but we can all notice that thing when we, we, we just don't fit in. They got a different DNA than we do. And so as much as we might try to hang around them, and we might do the dances, and we might speak the language, but there's something in our DNA that after a while, we can just sense the difference. And, and, and it's, it's, it doesn't recognize us because it did not recognize him. Point number three is being conformed to Christ's character. He says, beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. Chapter 3, verse 2. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. When God appears, we will see him as he is. Watch this. I'm going to give you just a little, little bit of theology. And I promise if you take note, this is going to bless your soul. Everybody ready? Go ahead and get your pens or your paper out. I want you to write down this first word. And this word is justification. Somebody shout out justification. Justification says that at the moment you get saved, at the moment you get saved, you have been saved from the penalty of sin. He says, we are God's children now. The moment we enter into that relationship, Jesus Christ has already paid the penalty of sin. So he's not going to put us in double jeopardy and then he's going to kill us because he's already allowed his son to die on our behalf. Justification, I love this word, Chaplain McPherson. It, it, it's like uh, when you go to court, there is the arraignment, Chaplain, and it says uh, they're going to bring the charges up to decide whether this even goes to trial. And God said, justification says, we're not even going to wait until this goes to trial and declare whether there's not guilty or not guilty. He says, I've seen all the stuff that you got to lay to them, but Romans said, who can lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies before you even get into court. God said that you're not guilty. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Doesn't matter. Watch this now. This, this, this is where it gets good right here, Lexi. He says, watch this. The devil can go to God with the truth about you, and God still say that we're forgiven. It's people will lie on us, but the devil can go to God and say, I know the truth about what Eric did. And God will say, yeah, I know, but my son still died for him. Checkmate. He's justified. Is there anybody that's glad that even when the devil got the truth about what you did, how you messed up, and who you did it with, that God said that you're still not guilty? Somebody say amen. amen. You're still not guilty. So he says this justification is an indestructible position. So I want to speak this in your hearing. Write this down so you don't forget it. Your condition does not change your position. Who you are in Christ does not change based upon how your life is going in that moment. Judah, raise your hand. You see my son right there? It, it doesn't matter if Judah grows up and commits a crime. Doesn't matter if he got strung out on drugs, God forbid I'm not speaking none of that stuff on my son. But no matter what he does for the rest of his life, that is my son. And I have made the decision to love him for no other reason than that is my son. His condition will never change his position as my son. You better preach, chaplain. Come on here and now. likewise, when God says now we are sons and daughters, it doesn't matter who you did, what you did, how you messed up, you are still God's son and daughter. Somebody put your hand together. I'm preaching very better y'all But now we move from justification to sanctification. Sanctification says we are being saved from the power of sin. 
The penalty of sin, already done. We've already taken care of that. But now that we are saved, God says there's this process where we're going to being saved from the power of sin. Mm -hmm. Watch what he says. Everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself. So because I am at Chaplain Benton's son, there is stuff that is expected of me, so I'm fixing my character so I line up with the name that I have. I'm purifying myself. I'm sanctifying myself. I'm praying. I'm fasting. I'm abiding in him. I'm being saved from the power of sin. Next thing I want to say, there's not only the incredible, uh, uh, excuse me, there's not only indestructible position, but there is this incredible transformation. Let me speak this in your hearing. An incident does not change your identity. Mm -hmm. You might have did what they said you did, but that don't mean you are who they say you are. Mm -hmm. David committed murder, but God never called him a murderer. Mm -hmm. David committed adultery, but God never called him an adulterer. When it came time for David's identity, Doug, God looked down at David with all the sin that he did, and he said, here is a man that is after my own heart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. An incident does not change your identity, our identity. My last one, there's not only justification, not only sanctification, but at the Lord's return, there is our glorification when we will, we will be saved from the presence of sin. We won't have to worry about temptation no more. We ain't got to worry about struggle no more. We ain't got to worry about sickness no more, about heartache and about heartbreak and about all these things. We ain't got to cry no more tears. We ain't got to have no more sleepless nights because the presence of sin will be gone. Is there anything that's looking forward to the day of glorification? And I love this because he's honest. He said, we don't know what we're going to be, but we know when we see him, we're going to be like him. Right. So whatever Jesus is <laughs>
love, let me use my son again. I, I love my son because he's at the age and I'm trying to cultivate calls, a relationship with him that when, even when he messes up, he don't run from that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He knows that he might get it, he might get discipline, but that discipline will come from a loving father, not a tyrant. Mm -hmm. So God says, if you confess your sins, Noe, he says, if you confess them, I'll forgive you and I'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness. I'll wipe the slate clean. And even though it might be true, the answer will be not guilty. He says, all I want you to do is don't shrink when I come. Don't hide from my presence. If you're dirty, come to the person that can wash you clean. Repentance is not a burden. It's a gift. It's a shower that after all of the dirt that we had on us, God says, I can wash you clean like it never happened before. Yeah. So we've been talking about this in Bible study, and I want to see so many more of y'all faces, whether it's women's or the adult Bible study, because point number four is my favorite. It, it, it's, it's, it's not about trying harder, but it's about trusting deeper. Yeah. Glory to the name of God. We, we, we go through this life chapter. Chapter Stewart, and we think that Christian walk is about I gotta try harder to please God. Mm -hmm. I gotta try harder not to cuss. I gotta try harder not to fall into this temptation. And the truth of the matter is, is no matter how hard you try, no matter how hard I try, it's not up to my own strength. It's not up to my own wisdom, Xavier. It's not up to my own power. It's not about me trying harder in my efforts. It's about me trusting deeper Amen. and saying, Lord, not my will. But your will be done. Yeah. It's about trusting in his ability to take us through the sanctifying process. Not saying, and, and, and when I came up, Dante, I like you, I grew up in the Pentecostal church. That not all of them teach like this, but the one I grew up in made me say I had to repent for every single sin that I committed. And if God came back before I repented of that sin, then I was going to hell. Yeah. Woo! Anybody? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. It might sound like I grew up like that. And it was terrifying. Because what if I forget to, to, that I had pride? What if I forget that I was walking in unforgiveness and I don't repent of that sin? Then I got to face eternal damnation. When the truth is, my case was already not guilty even before the charges were brought. That's good, sir. That's good. We free you from that teaching. The moment you get saved, Every sin that you have committed or will forget, commit was crucified on the cross with Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. And so baptism, I love my son. When I began to talk with him about the gospel, we were going through uh, the, uh, the Lord's Prayer, line by line, making sure he understands it. And when he asked about people dying, and he says, he said, well, when Jesus came back, I said, that's what baptism was about. He looked me right in the eye and he said, Daddy, I want to be baptized. Yes, because he understands the gospel. That it's not about trying in my effort to make my marriage work, but trusting in God to help me learn how to love my spouse. It's not about my efforts and, you know, all week long trying, how do we fix this? How do we do this? How do we deal with this? How do we? And God says, would you just be still and know that I am God? Amen. My week changed when I got to Bible study and I'm looking at the lesson and God says, all week long, you've been trying to fix it. All week long, you've been trying to solve everything in your unit, everything in your home. And he says, when will you be still and stop trying to be God and let me be God? Mm. Thank you, Lord. Stop trying harder, but trust deeper. He says, there is the Savior's works 
The Savior works. The Savior works and the saints walk. The Savior works and the saints walk. Say it with me. The Savior works and the saints walk. The Savior works and what did he do? He delivered us. Go back down to for me, brother. He says, Jesus delivered us from sin. He revealed so that he might take away sin. The Savior works. Not only that, the reason the Son of God did was to destroy the works of the devil. Chaplain, no matter how bad you're going on in your unit, I can't destroy the work of the enemy. The Savior works. He did it all. Somebody said when he was on the cross, he, the last words he said was, it is finished. It's finished. The Savior works. We walk in the truth of what he has worked. Next one, last and I'm closing here. Because we walk in this, we're walking in a new liberty. Right back where you were. The next, he says, we're walking in a new liberty. Everyone who remains in him does not sin, meaning habitually sin. We don't get, we don't get all beating ourselves up and walking around in shame. Because the liberty, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty where Christ has made you free. You're justified. Stop trying so hard in our own efforts. Everyone who remains in him, who abides in him, will not sin habitually. Not only is there new liberty, but there is new life. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning because God's seed is in him. Trust the seed that's in you. Trust him to complete the work in us. And then lastly, he says there's not only new liberty, not only new life, but he says there is new love. Right. He says, by this it is evident that we are the children of God. We are the children not of the devil. Because one, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is the one who does not love his brother. No matter how bad a person messed up. No matter what they did, Brian. A brother or sister in Christ can never be our enemy. There is a new love. I know they were wrong in what they did, but they can never be our enemy. Doesn't matter what they did. Watch this now. So we can either be uh, carnal and worldly and fight against the person, or we can understand that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness. So I'm not going to attack the person. I'm going to get down on my knees and pray for the real issue. I don't want to go after the web. I want to go after the spider. So if Eric did something that hurt my feelings, if Eric talked about me behind my back, I can fight against Eric or I can fight against the spirit that might have been influencing him. Mm -hmm. He said there's a new love. And next week, he finishes out the chapter all talking about the behavior of love that must exist in this family. Mm -hmm. We've got to love one another. And from the unplugged, I'll say this, spent to your feet. We have been doing a phenomenal job. I see love all around this place in the relationships that we form with one another. I see love when people are gathering together, checking on one another, bringing people over to their houses and forming and, and, and fighting for connection, fighting for fellowship, fighting to, to have intimacy within the body of Christ. So be cautious, beware of the cautions to fellowship and let us walk in the light as he is in the light. This is a family affair. It's a family affair, and all of us, uh, Chad heard that much music. All of us, we're family. And we've got to make sure that as we are a family, that we operate like the family that God has made us. Somebody say amen. amen. God is our Father, 
And he wants every one of us to have this intimate, eternal fellowship, not only with him, but he wants us to have that with one another. But it's got to start with him. And when it does, it will filter out into our relationship with one another. Would you bow your heads? Father, we thank you today for what our eyes have seen and what our ears have heard. We thank you for the word of God that has been spoken into our lives, that, that reminds us that we have a spiritual DNA that belongs to you. We have a spiritual DNA, God, and that you don't desire that we have the symbol. You want us to have the substance. We want to be people of God that represent you well. We want the substance. We know that you're not looking for perfection, God, but you're looking to complete the work that you have done in us, that you began in us, and that is to conform us to your character, to conform us so that we look like you. But the only way that that happens, God, is not through our efforts. So help us, God, not to focus on trying so hard, but trusting you deeply with everything that we have, that we will trust you, that you will complete the work that you have began. You're here today, and you hear the word of the Lord speaking to your heart. And you know that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, but you want to be a part of God's family. We're not going to bring you up to the front. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to put a mic in your hand or do any of those things. But if you want to become a part, not just of the unplugged family, but you want to be a part of God's family, you say, I want him to be my father. Would you just slip your hands into the air? We'll send someone to pray with you, to touch base with you. You want to be a member of God's family. Thank you, Willie. You want to be a member of God's family. Today, the day you make this decision, every single one of your sins are paid for. Jesus. Today you're here and you say, I'm a part of God's family, but I need someone to touch and agree with me. I got something going on in my life that I need my brother or my sister in Christ. I need them to touch and agree. I just need prayer. I need someone to just give me a little bit of hope. I need them to give me a word to hold on to. Meet us here at the altar. We're not here to judge you. This is a safe place. We're not here to embarrass you. We just want to pray with you and let you know that you're not alone. That you are our family. It doesn't matter how bad you messed up. It doesn't matter what you've done. Freedom is here. Liberty is here. Love is here. Acceptance is here. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to feel like there's nobody that doesn't care. You don't have to go through that depression, that anxiety. You don't have to go through this by yourself. Because your unplugged family is here. We'll connect with you, but most importantly, we will make sure that you're connecting with Christ. And Father, we thank you for the word that you have spoken over our lives today. If you, if you will decide that you can come after service, our chaplains will be here. But God, we honor you for the word that you have spoken over our lives on today. And we thank you for the assurance, the reassurance that we are members of your family and that you love us with an eternal, everlasting love. And for this, today, we are grateful. Unplugged, would you put your hands together if you love the Lord and just bless God. Can we just give Jesus some more praise real quick? Hallelujah. 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 
name that all of this is possible, the name of Jesus. We talked about justification and how we're declared not guilty. I like to say it this way, that the prosecutor lost the case. We stand in court and the judge gets to say he's justified because somebody shed their blood and paid the penalty for all their sins, past, present, and future. But then we have sanctification. So because our future sins are forgiven and all of our sins are taken care of, we have that process in which we start to daily walk and look more and more like the one who saved us. And then we have glorification. Because your sanctification is not going to be complete. It's not going to be perfect. Your walk is not going to be perfect. That's why he says in Philippians, he who began a good work in you will bring it all to completion. Because glorification comes. You might not look like them now. Your Monday might not look like Sunday. But in the end, you'll be glorified. Not because you're perfect. Not because you're righteous. But because of what he did. He will say, well done, my good and faithful servant, because he's ultimately talking about what Christ has done for you. So that's what we get to celebrate. Thank you, Chaplain Ben, for such an awesome message that energized me. This is what I love to preach. This is what I love to declare. And so I just want to say thank you, God, for using him. Thank you, Lord, for giving us that word in timely and in time and in season. Because I know for me, I just needed to be re-energized with that. I want to say this real quick. There's a song that I love, and it's by Hillsong. It says, with arms held high, Lord, I live my life knowing that I'm found in Christ, in your love forever. With all I am in your grace that I stand. Like, that, that's what I want for you guys as we take Chaplin's message to heart, and you carry that when you walk out of these doors. In grace, in God's grace, I stand. Let's pray so we go ahead and dismiss. Jesus, I just thank you. Thank you for the cross. Let us be confident, Lord, that every time that roaring lion, every time the enemy tries to come against our mind and our spirit, try to tear us down, break us down, I didn't do this right, I didn't say this right, I didn't read enough, I didn't pray enough. Lord, may we be confident that there's not enough that we can't do. And that's why you did what you did 2,000 years ago at the cross. Oh Shed your blood for us yes. so that we can have a right to be called children of God. That is our declaration as we leave these doors. I am a child of God. I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together all the time. But I am because you shed your blood for me. Lord, may we be confident in that. And as we go out, may that same love that you shared and that you've shown with us be the same love that strengthens our fellowship with Unplugged, with our military families, with our immediate families. Because the cross is what makes all the difference. And we don't want to look like we look like now. We want to be like you. So we thank you, Lord, for what you've done. We glorify you. We thank you. In Jesus' most mighty and precious name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.